Happy New Year everyone. I hope you've had a great start to this new year and have had the chance to slow down and spend some time with your loved ones. I'm excited for what 2023 has in store for us. Looking forward to accelerating this journey and unlocking more collaborations with successful business leaders through sponsorships. Reiterating my goal for this podcast is to provide a platform to showcase, inspire and motivate. We have an awesome episode to kick us off into gear. So without further ado, let's cue the intro. Welcome to the Business Launch Podcast. Join us as we get up close and personal with savvy entrepreneurs. Let's explore their business journey and how they navigated challenges and reach their goals. I'm your host, Carlos Sonoro. Hey guys, Happy New Year. I am here. I'm Carlo, as you know, from Business Launch Podcast. I am here with a good friend of mine who's actually, I met through my wife, Patrick Zhang. Patty, how you doing? Hey, great. It's good to see you, man. <laughs> it's good to catch up. We haven't caught up in probably over a year now. So Pat works for company called VMware he works in the DevOps so he's and he what's good about Pat is that he's helped a lot of startups and he's been in this space for a long time um it's just great to see his progression as well because I know that he went to uni with my wife and they've all started doing different types of work which is like really interesting so how you doing Pat yeah, man. Great. Look, it was a great experience working with, sorry, not working, but going to school with your <laughs> wife and that group. And it's interesting to see how we've all diversified and gone in our careers over 20 years now. Can you believe it? I know. But they always say Patty's the party animal. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm a domesticated party animal now. I don't think the party title applies anymore. I think once once you start, you got married, I think all that changed. Pat's now a family man with two kids. He's seeing him. He's still got his laugh and he's got still got his a lot of things. His personality is still there. So it's great to know. So Pat, where did you grow up? In- yeah. So look, a bit, bit of history about me. I got, I migrated over from Hong Kong when I was two years old. Not that I did it, but my parents <laughs> due to the kind of political situation where um, in the 80s, they announced that China was going to hand over, sorry, Britain was going to hand over Hong Kong to China. And so my parents thought, hey, let's go to a Western country. Let's migrate there. And I came here when I was two years old, grew up here and uh, grew up in Irvington, which was at the Irma. time, about 40 years ago, like farmland. I still remember like some road, like Kissing Point Road being partly dirt. <laughs> and like horse-drawn carriages and all kinds of stuff like that. So coming over as an immigrant was a... An interesting experience in that time, especially in like areas where we're pretty far out. Growing up, especially as like the token Asian person as well, it's <laughs> an interesting experience. I think a lot of people can attest to that type of experience as well. But I'd say that it's given me a lot of different perspectives because I've had to grow up with other immigrants. I've had to grow up with other Australians that weren't necessarily as exposed to Asians at the time. And so over the years, I've gotten to know a lot of different cultures as a result of that I've experienced a whole lot of typical Australian racism, but it's made me stronger and made me more tolerant yeah. in what I do. And 
yeah, that that's a bit about me. I, I don't know about if you want me to go into schooling. Yeah. That's always yeah. Good. So yeah, you would have gone to school out at Dundas, right? For yeah, yeah. School at that Dundas or high school. At. Yeah, St. Paddy's. Out <laughs> at Paddy's. Yeah. Tell us about how had you grew up there, because it would have shaped on what you wanted to do in the future, right? Yeah. Look, I'd say going to St. Pat's gave me, like I said before, a bit of a a diverse view on life. Growing up with different people from different cultures gave me just a different perspective on things. And I think a lot of that led to where I am now. I'd say that our school in particular wasn't necessarily an academic, sorry, academia-based school. It was a bit different in terms of they they wanted us to get exposed to a lot of different things and sports especially right yeah yeah, so I'd say a lot of the in my school like from different years they all like some of them represented Australia in sporting and for myself I'm I guess I know a lot about different sports but I'm not necessarily the greatest at them hey we played touch football together (laughs) we got injured at the same time Yeah, that's just me being old and unfit and probably from past injuries as well. <laughs> Look, I think school helped a lot. It's, I think people in particular at the school, some of the teachers were really impactful and influential in my life. They told me things like, oh, I remember one particular teacher that was saying to me, the first impression counts the most. You could see your future employer might be walking down the road or driving down the road and they see you, what are they going to think? Because first impressions really matter. And so that kind of stuck to me for my life. And then, and I guess even from the way I present myself and I speak to people and what I wear, particularly at meetings and stuff, is because of what he said has impacted in what I've done. And I think maybe in a way as well, like when he was saying stuff like that to me, it geared me towards being a consultant, which is what I am these days. I've been doing it for 20 years now, consulting in a whole bunch of different things. But in school, particularly learning about sciences and stuff and uh, and some of the math subjects, that was something that I really loved. And I think that's why I went towards engineering over time. I'd say that video games also played a huge part back in the day. (laughs) Playing way too many games and thinking like everyone else. Computer science is about building games, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's not. (laughs) It's definitely not. Uh, And yeah, that was something that beat me and your wife and everyone else figured out. We're like, oh, this is not what it's cracked up to (laughs) (laughs) Because you guys all went to different paths. So some went to analytics some went yeah, consultants yeah. Yeah. back in the day it was like software engineering or ai or networks and yeah. i chose to do network engineering in university and it didn't really lead me to network engineering it was actually the jobs like every time i applied for a network engineering job i got knocked back it was actually other things that i got put into and as a result of doing a whole lot of diverse jobs over the years it led me to doing all well-rounded or more rounded stuff yeah, yeah it's so, a weird and interesting kind of career as well <laughs> so after high school you went to sydney uni right and what was the course that you did over there yeah so it started off as computer science and then we went and i actually wanted to do stuff i did in high school so i really liked geography which is weird <laughs> <laughs> I liked psychology, so I decided to switch from pure computer science. But I still had, I'd say the majority of the courses that I did were still the majority in kind of the engineering side of things, but more the software side of things. And then I ended up majoring in like network engineering. That was something that is still very relevant today. Yeah, definitely. Especially with AI and everything coming coming to place now. 
changing. Yeah, 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 definitely, man. You still need to sort out your network before you do anything else. It's like the basis and the foundation for everything. But yeah, no, it wasn't just that. I'd say uni for me was a roller coaster, but I ended up learning a whole lot of things that I probably didn't need to learn, but it's made me who I am. So like at one point I was doing like graphic design because... I wanted to do it. And then I did software engineering as a major as well. And you name it, every single subject on the side I ended up doing, and I racked up a massive bill from it. <laughs> You're still paying your hex, are you? That was a recent thing that I paid off. No, I'm kidding. It's been a while, but yeah, it was a massive bill. It was, yeah, but it's all that would have shaped on what the actual roles that you've been doing. Um, coming into consultation, being a consultant, yeah. What led you to becoming a consultant anyway? So after all those roles? Yeah, look, I'd say to start, a lot of it was related to money. I was like looking at what, <laughs> you know, I was getting and then I'll see what other people were getting. I was like, how do you become a consultant? This is crazy. How are they getting that much more? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I actually worked four years as a permanent staff member before I ventured into the realms of consulting and contracting and I did that in the UK and I learned off a few influential people and they taught me a lot about what it was to be a good consultant, how it was to help businesses and what we should be doing, what we should be thinking about, all that type of stuff. But no, it was interesting and it started off as money, but now it's more a, I'd say I've gone past that and it's more about giving back. Yeah, nice. Which what, which kind of startups have you helped over the years? Yeah, so look. I'd say from a career perspective, I've worked for really big companies like enterprises, but I've also worked for startups and medium-sized firms. And with what I've done, a lot of the times when... So let me start with startups to, yes. to, to start. But with companies that just start up, their typical approach is to build something really quick and dirty, get something on the market that shows some value before they can start scaling and thinking about fixing things down the track. <laughs> And usually when I get involved is either towards the part where they start getting more funding because that's when they have the opportunity to fix and scale. And sometimes it's to the point they get in, they're really successful, but what they've actually got from a digital perspective isn't scaling at all because it was really badly implemented. Or at the same time, it might not even be a technology problem. Right? There's yeah. been times where I've gone in and companies are very dysfunctional. So, you know, you have different groups of people that want to work in a very siloed manner where they don't really want to talk to each other, yeah. it creates bottleneck and all this type of stuff, and they become very inefficient. So I've actually also helped from a people and process perspective. And I'd say from a consulting side of things, my lens is always one where I look at people, process, and technology. I don't just look at technology. When I've been working with startups, like in the legal tech sector, in even for just friends starting up some educational sector type startups, I've gone in and given them advice in terms of, you know, what they should be looking for from a hiring perspective, what they need to think about from a cost, from an MVP, which is like a minimal viable product perspective. So a lot of the startups I do work with are mainly more from the digital side of things, yeah. which I'd say is probably the trend these days anyway. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of companies are coming through, especially during the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see anyone. So what can you do? <laughs> You've got a computer, you got a screen, yeah. let's build an application for you. So. Yeah. There's a lot of apps that's come about because of it, or a lot of some e-commerce companies have come and started doing their thing as well, or they've transitioned from shopfront to becoming e-commerce businesses as well. What was um, 
what was the wins as a consultant for you when you first started? Money. Money. <laughs> <laughs> start anyway, Which right? is it's true, which is true. You become start. a consultant to earn the money, right? Yeah. Yeah. And look, that I'd say that I'm, I'm casting a very generic line in consulting, but there are actually different types of consulting as there well. Is, right. Early in my career, I was doing a lot of tactical consulting, which is, oh, management level and below. There's a lot of problems that they're facing. They need someone who has some very deep technical or subject manager, sub, subject matter expertise in a certain area, and they need someone to come in and implement stuff. That's the low level consulting stuff. You still get paid pretty well because you have that deep kind of level of knowledge. Yeah. But then there's also this strategic level of consulting where you're going to like C-levels, so like CEO, CTO, CIOs, CFO sometimes as well. But I'll go in at that level sometimes and help them with like roadmaps. Like yeah. how do you want to get your company from A to B? Usually it's like a digital transformation. How do you get from that, like from working in a very traditional manner to working in a much more efficient and lean manner? So that's the stuff I tend to help with. Sorry, what was your original question? I deviated. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Is that, yeah, there's different types of consult consultants. And yeah, go through that path because it's actually perfect. I wanted to know what the actual different types of consultants are. So you've gone through two different types of consultants. And yeah, like, yeah. so there's two different types of consulting, right? In my mind anyway, and from my experience. So it's like going in and helping CEOs yeah. or CTOs with their technology strategy. Like how do they get from an on-premise data center to moving into the cloud where they can scale a lot more? When we're talking about and maybe this might not apply to all the viewership because they're working in the startup kind of phase and they're still expanding, but I guess these are kind of things that you might need to think about as you get bigger, or even maybe some of your listeners might be somewhat like business owners that run medium-sized businesses. These are things you're going to need to think about when you're actually starting to increase your footprint and you get more of a customer base and things like that. Yeah. Um, you're going to need to think about like how you're going to actually scale for the demand that's going to come. Yeah. And a lot of the people these days are like moving to public cloud, which is like companies like Amazon Web Services, so yeah. AWS, uh, Microsoft, Azure, yeah. uh, Google Cloud, all that type of stuff. That's kind of stuff I help with and I show them, hey, these are the types of tools you should be using. This is the kind of approach you should be thinking about from a cost and a performance perspective. Here are the trade-offs. It's the kind of stuff that I'm doing now. And yeah. from a CFO perspective, sometimes I go and talk to them and say, hey, this is what you need to think about from a financial perspective. If you start moving from this kind of old model, this like data center model and where you own your own hardware, you, you provision and you scale in that way. And then you move to a, to a, almost like a leasing model. How does that kind yeah. of work? How does that impact you? So yes. there's that type of work. And that actually is really rewarding because really big scale changes. Yeah. So like you don't necessarily get the publicity deep down because you've been helping people, but yeah. You know, they're succeeding because their company's succeeding. Yeah, the and company's the moving of, towards the actual goals that they want to get to. Yeah, as a business as well. It's not just their own personal goals, it's their business goals. And that's like consulting that I am currently doing. Yeah. And that's kind of the consulting that I like doing more. But to each their own. And I'd say that if you're doing like tactical level consulting, where you're doing more of the engineering, the implementation, it's still very good and still very lucrative. Yeah. And you still get a really good sense of achievement because you've built something that, or you've implemented something that no one else has been able to do or advise on things that no one else knew about. 
Yeah. Which is still really cool, but the scale is a bit smaller. Yeah. But still really cool and still very lucrative. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's when you're when you're a consultant, if you if you get you know that you're doing a good job when they're hiring you for whatever dollar amount that you ask for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a consultant, on the flip side anyway, did you have any downfalls or was there any missteps that you thought, hey? Because you worked as a, you worked as an employee for the first four years of your career. Have you ever thought of at the start being a consultant? Yeah. So if you ever wanted to go down this path where you want to be your own business and kind of be a consultant and a contractor, there's a lot of things you need to think about. So my approach is kind of one that I've personally taken, but I'll walk you through the theory and my thinking around stuff. But essentially... When you're consulting and contracting, a lot of the time you tend to utilize a lot of existing knowledge and to really keep up to date and make sure that you're employed over other people that might be competition, especially in when you think about it, it's almost like running a business in that way as well. You're going to compete against other people because you are working in limited tenure positions. Yeah. And you need to compete against the pool of people that have similar skills. How do you separate yourself? How do you keep yourself up to date so that you're yes. always hired to outsource your services to do some piece of work? How do you do that? In my mind, when I was thinking about that type of stuff, I actually ended up switching between consulting and contracting to then yeah. being a permanent staff. Yeah. And I did that because when you're a permanent staff member, you get you tend to get paid training. Yes. Um, so I, and if you look at my LinkedIn, you'll see it. I went from being a contractor for a few years, utilize all my existing knowledge and like my cutting edge type of stuff. And I'd consult on that stuff. And then I'd go back to a company that was innovative, that had, that was known for good culture and training. And I'd go there and train myself up for a few years, then go out again and be a contractor. And it was this constant change. And then I think that was the approach that I took that made me really, I, I guess, not to toot my own horn, but like somewhat successful and still relevant. It's all right to toot your own yeah. horn. Pat. It's okay. <laughs> Especially for my show, you can toot your own horn. <laughs> yeah, I can toot as much as I want. So as a consultant, what makes you stand out from your competitors? Yeah, so a lot of the time, I guess for me, particularly in, in my kind of field, working in uh, very well-known companies has helped a lot. And not just working there, but doing things that are very impactful. So like... I'd say in the last 10 years, every place I've gone to, I've done something that has changed the organization in some way. And a lot of the time, I'd say it's through what you mentioned earlier, which is working in the DevOps kind of field, which in itself is very transformational. So a little bit about that as well. So the reason why that word even exists is because in the old days, you used to have development teams that used to build a lot of software they pass it over the fence. They wouldn't care about anything that happened before, like after. And then eventually it'd get to production or where it'd be public facing. So people could actually access it publicly, but it'd be the operations teams who inherited this stuff. And they'd be like, what's, what is this? I don't even know what this is. And the reason why that those two words are joined together is because the whole concept is we want to work together as one. We want to collaborate more. We want to work more efficiently and all that type of stuff. And we want to break down barriers, especially culturally. So that everyone's included in the same process. So you can do things a lot more efficiently and quickly. So that's what DevOps is in a nutshell. Yeah. 
but yeah, so that that's all I've been doing for the last few years. And you see a lot of the transformation work that I do is usually DevOps related, not just process, sorry, not just technology, it's people and process as well. So I'll also go in, see what skill sets people have, whether they're working well together, yeah. figure out ways to get them to work better. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you become pretty much like a unicorn trying to go going through the different industries, different roles and was able to stand out that way. Yeah. Yeah, man, for sure. I think it was, I think my current count is like 30 roles somewhere. Yeah, mate, a lot of it is just me going in, for, especially in the early days, go in for three months, really fix something and then hand it over to other people and say, hey, job done. And then move on to the next one. So yeah. you can... I've been racking them up for years. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's actually, and plus you learn little things from those kind of projects that you're working on. Massively, mate. Massively. So what motivates you daily, Pat? I'd say the thing that motivates me the most is the sense of achievement when you do really awesome things. I don't necessarily get it every day because it takes a while to get stuff sorted, especially in big companies. But I guess I anticipate and build myself up for it. Yeah. Daily, that's how I think and work. And I'd say going to conferences and stuff and meetups where I meet other business owners that run startups is great as well. So I've helped companies in kind of consulting in those type of places yeah. and in, in those type of ways. Sorry, I'm not probably elaborating really well on that. I've gone to conferences. I've helped people that are starting up businesses and given them advice, connected them to people, that type of stuff. And yeah. that's what I find more. Yeah. Yeah. But I get really, I feel a sense of achievement when I do that type of stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah. Giving back to to what you've learned in the past and being able to hand it over to people and connecting people. That's what I was, that's what I love doing as well. So I was able to connect a few people with the podcast as well. And it's just a good feeling that you're able to help people that need help. Yeah. Who were your influence? Who are your influences growing up in business or in, in your industries that you've worked for? Wow. Mentors even. There's been a lot, man. I can't, I'd say in my early days when I started off as a consultant, there was one particular person in industry. I don't know if I should mention their name, but essentially I saw them as my guiding light and they went out of their way to help me, especially when I first started off. I'd say I'd call this person like a, um, he, he's like a machine, man. <laughs> Honestly, you talk to him before, like you have a really complicated problem. You ask him it. And he'll already have told you the solution and he'd be four steps ahead of you. Yeah. And you're like trying to play mental chess and put it all together and go, how the hell did he come up with that? Or I don't even know what he means sometimes. <laughs> but that was like my first few years of working where I shout out to Ivan, who yeah. the person I'm talking about. Shout out Ivan. Yeah. Yeah. But so Ivan was basically my first real mentor, I guess. And he was the guy that ran the business I was working in. It was like a 40 person consulting business at the time. So he taught me a lot and working in that type of company to start, that was really rewarding and really eye-opening because when you run it, run in such a small company, you pretty much have to do everything. Yeah. And having someone that has already done this stuff and is running the business and showing you how to do this was really impactful. Yeah. say that person Ivan he definitely helped me in big ways and just to start anyway but I'd say going further on I met a lot of different people along the way and 
I'd say that there are certain people that I've met that have shown me how to be a better consultant, but a better leader as well, and an empathetic leader. And I think these days, I think I value that most. Yeah. And I'd say that there was a lot of people and not just leaders and mentors, but even just people I work with, they've taught me things because when you operate and you lead in a certain way, and the way I do it is through a servant leader type of mentality nice. where I treat people the same as they treat me. I don't like the title of a boss. They yeah. tell me everything because I, I tell them everything. I'm really transparent in that way. I think yeah. if you have that type of relationship, you tend to learn a lot from everyone. Yeah. And I'd say that's definitely the way that it, I've kind of been able to change a lot of places too. Yeah. So yeah, it's about having that culture, changing cultures is I know yeah. that I've worked for some really big companies and it's just the culture. It's where the leadership has to start. If you wanted to, if you wanted to change a culture, the leaders need to be able to show them how to, or they have to get down to the employees level to be able to change things up. Yeah, that's the yeah. perfect way. Yeah. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I'd say just to add a little bit, like the first thing that I always do when I start an organization and I'm put into a leadership position is I'll go to the factory floor, as you'd say, and see actually for the first week what actually happens. Um, without really knowing what happens on the ground, you don't really know how everything's really working. Yeah. As a leader, especially in big enterprises like I'm currently at, it's, you have about 20 people that you might get reports off and then you're like, oh, what does that actually mean? Is this real? Or are they fake in numbers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's but true. It's massive scale, right? Yeah. Like you're talking huge scales here. But I'd say as a startup, probably one of the best things to do is to really know your people and make sure you're very careful about hiring people. Don't just hire people you don't really know try and get them through friends and referrals yeah. um, or people who are really well connected and they'll do really well in that way. Yeah. Perfect. Going forward as a consultant or future business owner, I know that you got your hands in different pies, right? Yeah. What are the big goals for you for as in the next three to 10 years? I've told you a little bit, like I'm studying for the MBA. That will probably take me two years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> learning another language oh my gosh that's going to be another probably a year at least endeavor yeah. but i'd say that a lot of this is with the thought of being a more kind of rounded leader that can operate in any of the regions around the world yeah. that's where i want to be and that's eventually what i want to do but maybe when the kids are a little older yeah <laughs> Going yeah. to different countries. Yeah, yeah. Doing way too much of that lately, but <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong. They get to learn. The kids get to learn different cultures, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So it's about getting learning a different language and then I think yeah. growing growing as a leader, as you said. Yeah. 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 What's your top three advice for aspiring entrepreneurs and business owners? Okay, I'd say that number one is to go to some of these conferences and meetups because the stronger your network, the more you're going to be able to leverage. So not just from an advice perspective, but if you go to these meetups, you might find people that are very skilled in certain ways that you might have gaps for in the business that you're trying to start up. 
Yeah. And so going to these events is really crucial. And hell, you might even meet me there because I do yeah. help out in these things. Yeah. Getting to know the people in the market and the, the people that can really help grow your business is really key. Yeah. Getting advice and like a sub- support kind of mechanism for what you do is also important. That's why you need to go to those things. So I'd say that's probably the biggest piece of advice. The next piece of advice is from a funding perspective. A lot of people, especially when they first want to create startups, they don't necessarily, they might have one particular skill set. So trying to get someone who has, say, like even from my side, my own perspective, I'm good at technology, but I don't necessarily know the finance side of things. Yeah. I'd say if I was looking for to build a startup, I'd need to find mm-hmm. someone who had that kind of skill set. But really understanding what you can bring to the table and what other people can bring to the table to make a more complete business is something that's really key as well to make it yeah. successful. Yeah, because I, I've run into so many people that have created startups where they haven't necessarily gone well because. They're really good at technology. They've built amazing products, but they didn't really know how to market it out. They didn't have the network for it. They didn't know the cost of doing this stuff. So they burnt through their invest, the initial investment they got. A lot of these things, it's good to have people that are experienced so they can point you and point, give you advice in terms of how you could approach this better. I think that's really important. I think that's definitely key. And I think I've covered pretty much all of it. Network people and the support when you need it yeah nice perfect so i think no matter what what kind of business you're in i think those three are really key to helping any business grow yeah or start the businesses anyway this is like a big question how do you want to impact the world and what kind of legacy do you want to have whoa that is (laughs) How would I want to impact the world? Oh, man. I think I'm thinking a bit too big here. (laughs) (laughs) Now, look, man, from a legacy point of view, I want to be someone that's, I want to be known as someone that's helpful. And I guess by me giving back, you can see that. I wouldn't say it's any deeper than that, to be fair. But in terms of like worldwide impact, I'd say I'd have to be like a CEO of a global company or something or a board member. But I don't know if I'll get there in, in the next five years, maybe 10, maybe. Nice. Maybe. I can't wait. I have, I have to have white hair, man. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be not? like me. <laughs> that still happens when I'm... So I think you have the skill set to actually achieve those goals. I think it's it's good to have a goal that's out there for you to reach rather than having no goal at all to just cruise in what you want to do. And I think that's perfect. If you get, if you, even if you don't get there, at least you get, you're on your way to what you wanted to do, right? Yeah. I think, yeah, as long as you have the right foundations and you move in the right direction, it'll all fall in place, but you need to set yourself up. Yeah. Fun question. I know you, I think you, you read a lot. Yeah. Do you, do you recommend one book? What, if you could recommend one book or a few books to our readers, to our listeners? Yep. Um, I, what would it be? Okay. All right. And why? One, one book that I feel has helped with my understanding of what I do and made it better is probably a book called The Guy Ahu Evan Goldratt. So if anyone has ever looked at the lean methodology, Six yeah. Sigma, yeah. any kind of transformation, it's a book to read. It's really, really good because it 
shows you, I think it was in the 1950s when it was, but they're essentially looking at manufacturing problems nice. and how to fix them. So there's a lot of theory around how that how they did it. And a lot of it actually applies to things that I do in IT. Nice. And so maybe the viewers may or may not know this, but a lot of the stuff that we do in IT and the methodologies we follow is actually all from manufacturing. Yeah. And nice. for me, reading that book, it's really helped in a lot of things. So it helps you think not just inside your work, it helps you think about optimizing things you do in your day-to-day -day life. How do you remove things that are taking too much of your time, removing bottlenecks in your life. That, nice. that kind of helps as well. So it's a really good book. It's a precursor to a lot of the other books that are really well known in the IT's uh, realm. So like things like the Phoenix Project. If anyone's into IT or they're building a digital kind of startup, they'll probably have read the Phoenix Project because that's the kind of stuff they're going to run into in the next stage of their growth. <laughs> yeah. So there's, yeah. those are two books. So the goal... By uh, Eliyahu, it's like a Jewish guy, Eliyahu M. Goldrat. I can share you the links later. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> awesome. And the Phoenix Project as well. Excellent. Yeah, those perfect books to have for startups and business owners. If the listeners need help and or business owners want to get some advice from you, yeah. how can they reach you? Or yeah, so if businesses wanted to come work with you as well. How can yeah, reach well, you? I'd definitely say LinkedIn is probably the best way to do it. Um, nice. You can just look me up there and I'll probably add you. Just say, you heard about me from the Business Launch Podcast. And I'm like, yep, no problem. Nice. <laughs> well, Carlo sent me. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And that, that's so, definitely the way forward. I'll put, your, I'll put your link in the show notes and then we can go from there. Yeah, that's no perfect. problem. Uh, thank you again, Pat, for a nice talk. And I think it's um, a lot of our listeners would appreciate the background of your history and how you come about, especially as a consultant, because I think it's a perf perfect episode for those who want to dabble into consulting or even learning about growing their business and startups as well. So thank you so much again. I know you're a very busy man with your family and your work, and I truly appreciate for being part of the Business Launch Podcast. No worries. Thanks for the time, man. And I, I always got time for you. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, I'm, I think we're due for a catch-up as well. Some Barbie, I haven't been to your place for a while, I think. We'll yeah. bring some, I know there's an Eljana down the road from you yeah. now, so I'll bring some Eljana <laughs> sometime. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, thank, thank you again, Pat. And hopefully I'll have this release next week for you and you'll we'll get everyone listening to it. No thank problem, you man. and have a great day, bro. Dude, catch you later, huh? Okay, see you later. See you, bud. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Business Launch Podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes and come and visit our website at businesslaunch.agency. Thank you and have a great day.